do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the Liberal Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical Liberal Cubicalist. This show is like a journey into my brain, or rather, no, 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 it is like pouring my brain forth of all the media I have consumed so that that media does not fester up in that dusty attic and slowly drive me insane. Er, You may not have consumed some of this media yourself, so I warn of that possibility. Warning! Oh, shit. Just realized I forgot to get my timer ready, which is really dropping the ball. If you're unfamiliar with the podcast, welcome. First off, you should know that I will push a button that will start a series of five-minute uh, five timers that will count us down like this. Ladies and gentlemen, uh-huh. let's get ready to review some things. Movie monologue. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Drooms. Thank you for that sponsorship. Ship, sponsorship. Sponsorship. Movie the first, uh, you will no doubt know if you're following along with the podcast because I'm watching every single just about James Bond movie in order, which means if you know the last one, you will know this one, which is, oh God, just spit it out already. A View to a Kill. Yes, this friggin' crazy piece of business. Uh, two hours and 11 minutes. But it flew by with Roger Moore and Christopher Walken and Grace Jones, let's not forget. Yeah, this is one of the more fucked up James Bonds. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and for that reason, I like it a lot. Uh, I think I sort of probably, if I had a th- sat down and thought about it beforehand, would have realized this. The reason I like James Bond is for like the crazy ridiculousness of it. Uh, and this one, you know, Christopher Walken, need I say more? I will. Roger Moore. <laughs> that didn't make sense. An investigation of a horse racing scam <laughs> leads 007 to a mad industrialist uh-huh, uh, who plans to create worldwide microchip monopoly by destroying California's Silicon Valley. California. Silicon Valley. Yeah, that's a, that's a weird plot to read out loud, uh, and it fits because it's a weird movie with a, a blimp chase. It's not a chase, I guess. 
Uh, yeah, Christopher Walken. I, I, I could watch him probably do anything. I, I could watch him eat his breakfast in the morning and I think be enter- entertained. Uh, and Roger Moore, this is last one. I'm pretty sure this is last one. Definitely a little up there in age in terms of where, how old you think James Bond is. Nothing wrong with that. It's just for a weird movie. It, it doesn't detract from. I think if I was to take this movie seriously, which would be impossible, uh, I would want maybe, potentially, a younger James Bond. So, with that being said, rating-wise, geez, can I go with five? I, I really like this one. Yeah, it, it's just ridiculous. I'd go, like, maybe four, five if you're in the mood for it, which I was, so five. And moving on to Fred Armisen, colon, Stand up for drummers. This is a Netflix comedy special with you guessed it comedian Fred Armisen, who is a proficient, very much so, drummer. Uh, so did a a stand up comedy special with specific regard to being funny for drummers. I can uh, verify. Uh, not being a drummer and watching this, that is still pretty goddamn funny. In fact, it's very funny. In fact, I got many laughs and also. Just sort of a little cool, uh, perhaps in terms of comedy, a bit of a lull, but uh, in terms of drum history, uh, there's a really cool bit in the middle where he sort of demonstrates drums throughout the ages, if you will, Uh, and that was cool, if not funny. Uh, So rating-wise, I don't normally bring back stand-up to talk about, because what do you say, but this one I thought I could because it was very, very specific and sort of a cool idea uh rating wise solid four to some five comedy and some uh three drum history <laughs> unless you like drum history and maybe that's why this is called stand up for drummers and i'm not a drummer thus i demonstrated that it is in fact an accurate title uh the woman in black two colon Angel of Death is a movie the missus and I watched 40 years after the first haunting. Oh, man, I wish I had read that. Uh, At Eel Marsh House, (laughs) a group of children evacuated from World War... uh, Cut off a little bit. World War II London arrive, awaking the house's uh, darkest inhabitant. Darkest inhabitant? Can it just be dark inhabitant? Is there is there more inhabitants that aren't so dark? Hmm, that's what I recall. Uh, that description, like this movie, not very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, saw the first one. It was uh, the Mrs.'s Choice, uh, and she will usually lean towards a horror movie and not liking horror movies as much as I used to. Uh, I can't watch the super scary ones, and I can verify, like I have verified other things in this movie monologue that it's not very scary in fact it's pretty dumb i will say uh there is a lot for any movie of child death (laughs) you know it's like a regular foon up in this house um okay so for uh rating you know it's like i I didn't hate it so it, it passed the time um, I like the main girl. She was uh, she's very pretty as well. Uh, we'll go two point five with some maybe three spots. Uh, yeah. Okay. Moving on to uh, the, the final film to talk about, which we're out of time, so I'll have to rush, which I already am doing. The 
Transfiguration from 2016. It looks like it may have won some awards. <laughs> uh, when troubled teen Milo, who has a fascination with vampire lore, meets the equally alienated Sophie, the two form a bond that begins to blur Milo's fantasy into reality. Um, for a lot of this movie, it does something I like that... Uh, could you call it a trope? Yeah, maybe you can. You don't know, and this trope I'm talking about is not this specifically, but it's just sort of this idea. Uh, he, uh, this Milo character, he thinks he's a vampire, uh, and throughout a lot of the movie, you're not 100% sure that he's not a vampire. There's, there's sometimes you think he is, and sometimes you think... He's not. And I like that. It's, uh, shit. I'm trying to think of other examples. There's examples of movies where it could sort of go either way, even up until the very end. Uh, this one, I will not give it away, but I will say at the very end, we do lo we do learn one way or the other what he is. Vampire. Or not vampire. Um, and it's just, it's pretty fucked up, this movie. Yeah, that's the, that's the other thing I remember. Um, he, he's, like, quite clearly suffering after the death of his parents was it yeah uh it's a fucked up movie and uh as you no doubt know if you are a long-term listener i think this is the second or third time i've said this uh, this episode uh I, I i like sort of crazy movies that i don't see where it's going necessarily and this was one of them so uh, i go like a solid four or five yeah uh, definitely if you'd like a weird crazy movie uh i think you would like this because it's a weird and crazy movie uh-huh television talk today's television talk is chewing guns thank you for that sponsorship which we are uh, television talking about the television show chewing gum oh i've seen this on netflix you may be saying to yourself all two series all 12 episodes total which obviously if it's series and not very many episodes it is of course from britain it is a British television show set in London. It is written by and stars Michaela Cole alongside the cast of Robert Lonsdale, Susan Wilcoma, Daniel Walters, and Tanya Franks. The show features 24-year-old shop assistant Tracy Gordon. Wait a second. What was Commissioner Gordon's daughter's name? Was it Tracy? Hmm. Uh, a restricted religious virgin who wants to have sex and learn more about the world. The show... I'm just reading the Wikipedia at this point, which is not something I normally do. Uh, yeah, uh, very, very good um, uh, British comedy of an almost... like I feel there's different types of British comedies. There's like your, your offices... Maybe your faulty towers, uh, and, and then you'll go the other end of the spectrum, like this, and like uh, the young ones, uh, and, and, and like a little crazier. And, and this sort of falls, I think, more in, in, into that. Not not that uh, faulty towers that had some crazy shit in it, um, but but more on the on the crazy people spectrum. Let's call it. Uh, and, and nothing wrong with that. Jeez, uh, which one would I choose? Probably a little more grounded. 
because of the sort of dry British sense of humor that uh, I've often sort of hypothesized uh, that the Canadian sense of humor is closer to the British in its desire for the the, the, the dryness that is maybe not there from the uh, American side. But we're, we're sort of a combination of the two, I feel like. Uh, anyways, uh, so, so this girl, um, <laughs> she's a uh, hijinks ensue obviously in her quest to find um a dude to have sex with uh it goes wrong a lot for example uh the start of the program she is married uh sorry engaged to a guy who uh, quite obviously to the viewer and eventually to everyone uh is a uh, gay man uh, very religious and uh, they're not going to have sex before marriage. So she's been sort of dating him, I think it's for like years, uh, and and never having had sex because obviously he doesn't want to and uh, uses religion to sort of uh, uh, block that possibility. Uh, eventually she meets like a, a sort of a normal dude, sort of, he's sort of a bit of a loner. He's a, a poet, although not good at it. Uh, loser, uh, lives st still lives at home. Uh, and that's who eventually she uh, hooks up with, as it were. Uh, she's got a sister who's sort of crazy as well, as a lot of the characters in this are. Uh, she is uh, super, super religious because their mother is just uh, insanely religious to the degree, degree. She's some sort of preacher. Um, there's all the people who live in this, uh, what's it called? It's not a compound. There, there, there's like a word for it. Uh, in Britain, like a sort of a low rent housing, there's a uh, I forget what it's called, but uh, they all live in the sort of poor, poorish section of London, uh, and it's sort of uh, we get to see what that's like from a comedic spec. Oh, you know what it reminded me of? Uh, shit, what's the one where it's like the father who's a drunkard? Uh, they made an American version with William H. Macy. I actually watched the British one and spoke about it on several occasions on this very podcast, but I can't remember. Reminded me a lot of that. Like, there's uh, there's some boozers. Uh, and all in all, I laughed a lot. Uh, Rating-wise, I think I'd go like a solid four with some... some Super funny five moments. Kind of surprising. Uh, the missus and I started watching this together. And for some reason, I, I, and I tried to pin her down, but couldn't get an answer. Uh, she didn't go on with me. Like, I think she watched the first season and said, every time I would ask her if she wanted to watch more of it, she would say, meh. Uh, so eventually I said, okay, well, I'm going to go on without you. She said, fine. Uh, which was very, very surprising because she laughed as hard, if not harder, than I did. So uh, the fact that you wouldn't go on was surprising. I didn't get it. And I still don't get it. <sighs> Women. Wives. Am I right? Right? Conan, the librarian. Don't you know that we decimal system? <laughs> Today's book banter sponsor is the Toyota Quasimodo Hatchback. Thank you for that sponsorship. 
sponsoring this book, Book Banter. Yes, an actual book I have finished reading. Yay. Uh, it doesn't happen every week, but uh, I'm going through these uh, at a pretty good pace. When I say these, I mean uh, this series, which takes place in the Forgotten Realms, which is where a lot of D&D-related stuff comes from. Specifically, I'm talking The Lost Empire's uh, four-book series. Uh, each book uh, connected in that they deal with uh, uh, fallen empires that used to exist in the fallen realms. Uh, each book, though, written by a different author. Uh, at least I assume everyone's written by the, a different author. Uh, I'm on the third one, and they all have been, so uh, I, s I suppose I can make that assumption at this point. Uh, so uh, right now we're talking book two, Faces of Deception. Uh, this one was interesting. Yeah, uh, compared to the first one, which I think I gave like a 5 out of 5 or a 4 out of 5 to, I didn't like this one as much. Um, but just before I forget, rating-wise, I'd still go like a, a, a solid 3 or 4 out of 5. Um, what it did differently from a lot of fantasy I've read, which is actually a good thing, uh, is... The characters, uh, a lot of the main characters, specifically uh, one in particular I'm thinking of, were not likable. <laughs> uh, they were not uh, good. Like it, it's not like a, a a knight going out to to rescue a damsel in distress from an evil uh, a dragon or something like that. No, uh, the the characters all have flaws, uh, so much so that if you were to sort of plot them out on your, your uh, you know, from your chaotic, from your lawful uh, good to your chaotic evil, uh, they'd probably be somewhere in the middle, uh, and in, in one case in particular, somewhere near the, the evil side of the spectrum. So that, that, that's what I kind of did like, and uh, okay, no offense to Troy Denning here, I, I feel like you could write a book with uh, evil characters and have it be more interesting than this was. No offense, Troy Denning. Uh, it just made me think that a lot of people who play D&D uh, shy away from campaigns where the characters are evil instead of good uh, because it can more easily ruin the story. Uh, you're, say you're the DM, you're running a game, uh, the characters are evil, you're trying to set up a story uh, your characters just run into town and kill everyone. Uh, where is your story going to go when one of the people killed was something to propel your story? That that sort of idea. So people often shy away from that idea. Uh, when writing a book, you obviously don't have that issue in terms of <laughs> characters not under your control. Uh, so I, I feel like this could have been a little more interesting than it was. That being said, still still good. The main character was sort of uh, super ugly, sort of deformed, Quasimodo-sounding. Uh, he was sent on a mission from a goddess of beauty, which was sort of a cool idea. Uh, let me read the Goodreads. Maybe it'll tell us a little bit. Uh, hidden from his powerful family's enemies behind the hideous mask of his own face, sent by the goddess of beauty on an impossible mission, driven to find a way past his own flesh into a soul torn between destiny and love. Yeah, that does sound interesting, doesn't it? And, and it was. Um, some of the, uh, the, the, the sort of interest comes from the fact that uh, he was raised by ogres. He's got an ogre buddy with him, and that, that was kind of cool right there. Uh, and then they sort of meet up with this guide who's a, a real dick and 
should not have been trusted as much as he was, which, you know, trusting assholes, I, I will verify without giving too much away, ends up not being a good idea in the end. Uh, he meets a girl. Uh, the girl seemingly doesn't care anything about what he looks at, uh, like. They fall in love. Uh, and that could have also been a sort of a, a him finding happiness, but no, no, no. Uh, some frustration there about that. Uh, all in all, uh, a, a definitely a worthy read. And uh, made me wish for more evil campaigning stuff like that. Today's game, Gavin's sponsor is Silly Samuel, colon, plenty of hope to spare. Uh, okay, so item the first in this game, Cabin, is Serious Sam VR, colon, the last hope. Interesting. VR, you say? Yeah, I feel like I've been skimping on the VR. Uh, you know what it is, and I'm going to be 100% honest with you. Uh, the VR, uh, the Oculus I have, every time I wear it, I get like really bad acne, like right where it is. And, and I'm trying new things to avoid that. Uh, but it's like wearing VR, not good for acne. So anyone have any tips on that? Like I'm, I'm thinking I like try to make something to like cover where my face touches it. Like that's where it, it sort of happens, where the mask is touching my face usually uh, it, it's not good. So I need to figure something out there so I can play more VR like this. Serious Sam VR, The Last Hope. Uh, basically, uh, each of your hands has a gun in it. Uh, shit is running towards you and you are shooting said shit. Sounds, you know, okay, right? But no, it's fucking awesome. Um, of the games I've played where things like this have happened, this one has definitely been my favorite so far. Uh, very, very cool guns you get. You can upgrade them, uh, upgrade yourself to a degree. And, uh, so far I haven't even completed it. Uh, I think I've done the first three missions. I don't know how many missions there are exactly. Uh, but it's a lot of fun and, uh, I will definitely go back. I highly recommend if you just want to like stand, you get a bit of a workout too. Like you're not running around it or anything, but you do have to stand and sort of flail your arms around pretty good. Like your arms will be outstretched shooting at things. Uh, if you're familiar at all with Serious Sam as a uh, video game franchise, uh, you will know that the bad guys in it are usually pretty crazy. Uh, this is no exception, so uh, I like that as well. One, one fucking cool part where it was like in the desert and you had fought off wave after wave of bad guys running at you, and then in the distance you see something and it turns out it's a fucking just giant dude like like 10 stories tall starting to head towards you so then he's like slowly lumbering towards you and then other waves are coming it, it gets pretty intense sometimes uh very very cool uh okay so moving on I, I got two games yeah hey how about that double double we're gonna jam them in here uh this one is called everspace i got it in a steam sale not too long ago uh, apparently it can also be played in vr which i, I actually didn't try i just played it normal uh, you're a spaceship, and it's a lot like FTL, uh, Faster Than Light, uh, in that you are traveling through space um, and trying to get from one end to the other, as it were, 
uh, and sort of building up your ship along the way to deal with the newer and harder bad guys. The difference being that was more of a sort of top-down, looking into the ship, uh, resource management system as opposed to actual fights, where these are like actual gunfights, flying around, dodging bullets, shooting bullets, chasing bad guys in space. It was a lot of fun. Uh, difficult? Yes. Very, very difficult. Did I cheat? Yes. Yes. Uh, you can hear my theories on being an old man and cheating at video games and why that's necessary in other episodes. I won't get into it here. Uh, Serious Sam VR rating from uh, uh, from a VR standpoint. It's one of my favorite VR games I've played. Uh, it, it's good to... Oh, this game's great to put people in who've never tried VR because it is pretty straightforward in terms of mechanics. You're just pointing and shooting. Uh, so rating wise, I go like four out of five, some, some cool five out of five moments where you're just like, holy fuck. Uh, and then Everspace, geez, I really liked it as well. Uh, there was a story that you're sort of following, uh, which was, was interesting. Uh, you know what they did actually, which I really liked about the story is they explained, uh, in the story how when you die, you can restart <laughs> it's basically clones like an army of clones so uh, one clone dies uh, that story is obviously over so you're sort of picking off where the next clone starts it's sort of a cool idea uh so everspace i'll go like four or five as well uh, both very very good games i got lucky this game got them that's for sure Today's internet intercourse sponsor is food. Thank you for that sponsorship. Item the first, Phil Rosenthal everywhere. If you're unfamiliar with Phil Rosenthal, for shame. Uh, he is the creator of Everybody Loves Raymond and seemingly, from many reports and seeing many things with him, one of the nicest men, just period, if not in show business. Wait, let me reverse this. One of the nicest men in show business, if not in real life, period. There, that's better. Uh, and he uh, recently has a new Netflix show, which I will speak of. Uh, the Mrs. and I are... Uh, doing one episode a week every Sunday. Uh, I think we're in the third or fourth or fifth episode right now, so uh, we'll definitely bring that back on a, a television talk. Uh, but he's been going around plugging it, and goddamn, he plugs it everywhere. Every friggin' time I turn around, there's Phil Rosenthal. And you would think, oh man, this guy, everywhere I turn, you gotta be getting sick of him. No! I love him and everything he's been on has been a goddamn delight. He is like the perfect guest. From talk shows, uh, I think he was on Conan or Jimmy Kimmel, I, I forget. But where he really shines, though, is on podcasts. Uh, he was on, uh, I wrote down some of them, he was on High and Mighty. That was kind of surprising. Uh, but maybe not. Uh, with John Gabris, famous food lover, both of them. So, yeah, it did make sense that they got together. Uh, he's uh, was on Adam Carolla, of course, because uh, they're uh, seemingly pretty good pals. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, that was amazing. Uh, he was on Never Not Funny. 
coming in hot. Oh yeah, I actually wrote that coming in hot. Uh, he came into that uh, and like gave them all the finger when he walked in the door, which is shocking. From if if you know anything of Phil Rosenthal, the fact that he would do that is, is shocking, and it, and it put them all off, <laughs> for, and it was goddamn delightful. Uh, he he's someone who if he gave you the finger. It would be taken as an insult. It would just be a delightful thing to see uh, and to hear, I can verify. Okay, so uh, enough of Phil. Not that I have got enough, but enough talking about him now. Uh, moving on to, speaking of Never Not Funny, uh, see? Uh, he had on guest Todd Glass. Uh, he had on. Uh, Jimmy Pardo, host of Never Not Funny, had on guest Todd Glass. It was the first episode after his, uh, sadly, uh, Jimmy Pardo's mother passed away. Uh, they took a little bit of a break. Um, and when I found out uh, Todd Glass was going to be the first guest uh, after his sort of return from uh, having a break from just trying, anyways, to get over the death of his mother, I thought, you know what? You could not pick a better guest than Todd Glass to be your first guest back after such a such an experience, and I remember thinking that, and then at the top of the episode, them all saying specifically that this is the perfect guest to have on right now, and, and it really was. Like there was some emotional moments at the top, uh, and, and Todd does not shy away from that, but he also. Uh, can sort of smooth it over, and, and by the end, you're, you're laughing as well as crying. So it's re really, really great. And then uh, we're going to move on from uh, Todd Glass being a guest on that to him being a guest on the Kevin Pollock's Chat Show. Yes. See, I'm connecting everything. Phil Rosenthal uh, was a guest on Kevin Pollock's Chat Show. Yes. See, I'm connecting everything. Phil Rosenthal was a guest on Never not funny with Todd Glass. Todd Glass was a guest on Kevin Pollock's Chat Show with Kevin Pollock. You see how that works? Everything is connected in the world of podcasting. Uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, they're, they're never not good. <laughs> uh, Kevin Pollock, uh, just an amazing interview. As I always like to say, it was the first podcast I ever listened to that sent me down this podcasty road was Kevin Pollock's chat show episode number one with LeVar Burton. I came for the LeVar Burton. I stayed for the Kevin Pollock and have done 440 plus episodes of this podcast because of that beginning. What do you think of that? Uh, okay, so moving on to a new podcast that I just started listening to, uh, The Polygon Show. Yeah, uh, Polygon on uh, YouTube has a channel, and uh, they were putting out so much cool stuff that when I found out they had a podcast, I immediately hopped on. Uh, it is a podcast of the video game talking variety, which I have a few that I listen to now. Uh, this, uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily, uh, and uh, uh, Funhouse... Oh shit, what the, what's the Funhouse one called? Funhouse Podcast. Dude Soup. Dude Soup. Uh, is that all of them? I think maybe there's another one. Yeah. My, my sort of podcast listening comes in not too great a variety. It's like comedy, video game, uh, interview. I, I guess that would be it. Uh, anyways, uh, this one uh, hosted by all women. So uh, that was cool. In uh, a surprise, I didn't know it was going to happen. And so like a few episodes in, I'm like, you know what? I haven't heard a dude's voice on this. Uh, you know, kind of a cool thing about that is like I didn't even notice... Uh, and my, my, my long time desire to have more women play video games, 
uh, is sort of emphasized on this show, so I highly recommend listening to it. Uh, (laughs) They're funny, and I love them. Okay, fine. Uh, Final thing I wanted to talk about is uh, the return of Dr. Disrespect. Uh, Yeah, he got a little bit of... uh, I don't know if you call it trouble. Well, from his uh, wife, certainly. And I I guess his community and others as well. Uh, Because he uh, admitted to cheating on his wife. Uh, Yeah, not not great. Uh, Like with PewDiePie, um, his last uh, sort of main thing that sort of Oh, yeah. <laughs> How do I talk about this? Uh, PewDiePie, and, and I did speak about this on the podcast. Uh, I used to watch him all the time. Uh, he did some, you know, dumb things, admittedly dumb things. And uh, I continued to watch uh, until one day he uh, dropped an N-bomb that was done with such malice that uh, it, it sort of hurt me. And from that moment on, even if I did, and I will admit, and did admit, that I tried to watch the odd thing after that, uh, I, I would just think of him saying that, and and, and I couldn't watch it anymore. So, uh, when uh, this happened to Dr. Disrespect, when this happened, when he made this happen to himself by cheating on his wife and admitting it uh, live on uh, stream... Uh, I sort of had that same thought. Would I be able to uh, watch further things with him? And I think I can. What does that say about me? Probably not good things. I'm more misogynistic than I am racist? Jesus Christ, that's a a good realization, is it? Fuck. Uh, My... uh, Yeah, anyway, so I I, I think I'll continue to watch you. I I, I can say this. uh, This I can verify. Wow. (laughs) Uh... I've watched less of him than I used to. And will that trend continue? I don't know. One thing this whole situation did make me realize, though, is uh, I never understood, like, uh, gossip mags or, or, like, gossip television or whatever you call that sort of thing. But the uh, conversation between him and his wife with regards to him coming back and doing uh, streams again, uh, the conversation with regards to her being involved, uh, being the uh, assassin, like she she's sort of uh, back as a character on his streams. She's like a deadly assassin. Uh, so so seemingly they've worked it out, and they have the sort of cool dynamic between them that they were able to work it out and have her sort of involved with the streamed and the sort of assassin persona because he of course is a persona as well. So uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, the the, the whole gossip thing like. I never would have thought I would have wanted to see people's private behind-the-scenes conversations that I think is what happens on those gossip mags. Uh, but in this case, I really would have liked to be on the fly on the wall and sort of hear how they work that out because uh, it's sort of a, a fascinating thing to try to come back from. And the fact that I wish I knew what happened behind the scenes makes me feel a little dirty. <sighs> Really, Jimmy Jammer Yammer Yammered at the end of this one, didn't I? Folks, it's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> this is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. 
time to plug some things and I do not mean buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper